Hello, and welcome to the Click and Obey podcast. I am D. Rush with your other host, Mesh. Today, we're going to be talking about online voting. We're kind of going to give you a layout of what are the requirements, how would we go about implementing it. We're, t- we're taking the idea that we have we exist in a company that has been uh, told, hey, we're going to go implement online voting, start from scratch, go do it. So, Mesh, let's take it from there. Yeah, let's do it. So, um, as D. Rush and I know, one of the first things you do when you start writing software is you do an analysis and a collection of what's called requirements. And what that means is um, as, as software developers, like it's your job to take in verbal requirements um, at a very high precise level and to output very highly precise code. And so these requirements are, you know, at first you start off with kind of broad strokes, like, hey, you should be able to go here and click this thing and do that. But then you start to maybe through testing or maybe through um, just sitting there and thinking about it as a user, potentially, like just imagination, start to flesh out all the different kind of use case scenarios or the different um, the different uh, like the different populations that may use your application. And you start thinking about like, okay, well, if this happens, then how should this thing work? And if this happens, how should this thing work? And you get gradually more and more detailed um, through this process, requirements analysis process as time goes on. And hopefully you end up with something that you can hand to developers and they can precisely implement. And so what I wanna do is kind of maybe do a quick uh, kind of faux uh, requirements analysis type of discussion. Um, similar to what we do in software. Hopefully I summed that up decently well. But Yeah, I think so. And this is one of those, like, we'll kind of take you into our world of exactly how this all starts, right? We're definitely not going to be able to do a ton today, right? An hour, while it feels like forever, is basically nothing when it comes to building nope. a system like this, right? It takes <laughs> multiple meeting sessions, like, over the course of weeks, and you make up docs, and then you have everybody agree on the docs, and you go for an hour, then you debate the docs, and you do another one, and another one, and you include like everybody who's going to be working on this and all the little pieces that they're going to be working on. And then you're still fucking wrong. And (laughs) six months later, you're like, ah, crap, we didn't think about this piece. So, I mean, this is just kind of starting with our world of like, what is day one? You've been told you have to go implement online voting. How do we even contemplate tackling this idea? Right. Right. And so let's just throw some, immediate requirements at the wall and just start talking about them. So one of the ones that comes to mind is same day registration. Can you register in one day? Yeah. And this one, this feels like a requirement. I don't know. I actually put this one as a question mark in my mind, right? Because the the way registration works right now, a lot of states, as far as I understand, do not allow same day registration. So then we need to ask, does this application need to handle same-day registration only in states which they actually allow it, right? Because that's actually a legal thing that you have to be able to adhere to the state's laws. So that's one of the things that always what I hear, right, is, oh, we do online banking. Why can't we do online voting? Well, there's an order, there's a order of magnitude of complexity difference is what I would say, right? It's like, there's no bias in the UI for the banking. You just deposit money. Who, who gives a shit, right? It's like, and it comes to this, it turns out depositing a check is the same across all states. Like there's no confusion over like Montana versus you know, yeah. Wyoming versus Michigan. You know, it's like, they're all the same. 
So, so yeah. that I, I actually, I think right there, and this is why requirements analysis is um, such a crazy thing in software. You could be talking about one topic and it will bring you right into another. Just bringing up same day registration brings up the question, I think, what you're getting at right now is like, well, wait, how, how is our election in real life? It's not one federal election. It's actually 50 states all in charge of their own piece of the election. It's a federated, decentralized model. So the software that we build, should it also be, in a sense, federated and distributed and you know decentralized? Like when it comes to registration, is there one registration portal or is there, I mean, a registration portal that can redirect you 50 different ways depending on which state you are and therefore you have a different flow. So like if you're in Alaska and for some reason it takes five days to register, you say you're from Alaska, it takes you to, you know, uh, registerthevote.com slash Alaska and you're stuck there for five days or something. <laughs> you have to check that page for five days until it tells you that your registration is complete versus maybe, I don't know, Texas or something. And then it's just, you know, registerthevote.com slash Texas. And it's like, oh, you, you're registered Im immediately, like within 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, in general, just scooting back and looking at this, like, is, is this a, is, uh, I mean, does the software need to match the real world and be like 50 different election processes all bundled together within one website? Or are we saying that um, there's just one election process that works, is compatible with all 50 states? Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things I was contemplating too, right? Is like, are we actually going to have to build 50 apps essentially, right? There might be one global app that kind of like encapsulates, you can call it, you know, vote.us or whatever you want to say, but it's like, all 50 states act differently and they can also change on a whim, right? Like the 2020 election can be totally different than the 2024 than the 2028. Like they can implement new laws and you have to be able to adjust to them and they don't all adhere to the same laws across the US. And quite honestly, I think that's a good thing. Um, if you end up going this route and you make it a centralized system as opposed to a federated, it's gonna be even easier to hack, right? There's nothing right. that we can make that is gonna be hack proof, but it is much harder to hack 50 independent systems or if you want to even go to city by city or county by county, those systems, yep. then it will be to hack just one big system. Because as soon as you hit it once, it's down. Which leads me to, to one of the other requirements, right? You can't have a single source of failure. Like there cannot be one big database that runs this whole thing. No. One, because of the laws and two, because it's just impractical. Like you just, you're setting yourself up for a security event. Yep. And so, and there's challenges with that too, right? Like because... You can't have a single source of truth, but you better not have data loss because of because of decentralizing um, your failure, basically. Like having some sort of decentralized model on the back end better not result in failure loss or, or a, a data loss or inconsistency of any sort. So it sounds easy. It's like, oh, just have multiple databases or something. I'm sure somebody out there is thinking that. No, just have multiple databases. Don't have one. Sounds like you'll fix the whole single source of failure. Um, but it's not so easy. Uh, you can't just have multiple copies of all the votes. That's not going to work because um, then you have to keep all the copies in sync. And uh, well, I, I don't need to tell any software developers how hard that is. But 
to those who aren't software developers, it's intense. But yeah, that, that right there, not having a single source of failure, a single point where everything can just totally fall apart if it's hacked or if it goes down or something like that, means that you're basically going to have to construct a, a very complex system. I mean, there's no getting around it, basically, is what I'm trying to say. There's no simple answer in the software world to this. Right. And I mean, to your data loss point, right, it's like, okay, so what would the threshold have to be of an accepted data loss? Because it feels like zero almost, right? Like if you lose one vote, it, in theory, that's not cataclysmic, but it can be, right? And it, it's also, if you lose oh. one vote, how many did you lose? Because if you lose one in 10,000 votes, what there's called 100, 100 million voters who happen, right? So what's that like 10,000 votes you would in theory have, have just lost, like are gone to the ether, the database collisions, stuff like that happened, boom, yeah. done. So if you have less than that, if you have one in a thousand that gets lost, which quite honestly is much closer to the current system as far as like mail-in votes go, right? It's like, okay, so a hundred thousand votes get lost. That's enough to swing an election depending on where those hundred thousand are, right? If they're randomly distributed across the US, like uniform randomness uh, as, you know, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, oxymoronical as that sounds, right? It's like <laughs> you can have a random distribution that is also uniform in, in some aspects. But it's like, if it just hits one county hard and it's a thousand votes, like that can sway the shit out of it. And also, so, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say, that's a great point. Um, in my mind, you know, I, I kind of think with, you know, in terms of votes getting lost in person, those tend to be in clusters, right? And if it was digital, uh, especially if we're talking about the type of system we're kind of designing in our heads, it might actually be more uniformly random. So you might be spreading out the effect of failure, which might actually be an improvement in many ways. But um, I thought you brought up an interesting point, like what's the acceptable threshold? It's like the thing that immediately came to my head was Tesla, the car company, the automated driving experience, and like how the, the death, you know, deaths caused by bad automated driving um, threshold is basically zero in a lot of people's minds. Like if there's one death, it's like hold the press, like stop this damn thing. And it's weird because it's like, well, people kill each other all the time on the road, but there's, there's definitely something to the, um, Hey, a computer caused this error versus a human caused this error. It's like, we understand that the humans cause the error and we're like, okay, well, there's going to be so many of those, but at least we have some sort of sense of agency because it's a human doing it. And with the computer, it's like, yeah, you tell the computer what to do, but I guess you lose the agency because you're not the one executing it. A computer is executing it, which again, we, we made the computer, but you know, it, it's just, there seems to be a different threshold depending on if it's a, a human with their hands on the wheels or their hands on the vote or their, or, you know, the hands on the envelope containing the vote um, versus right. the digital system, you know, the, the digital system controlling the car, the digital system um, trying to write to a database. Uh, so it, it's, I would say the threshold is low. Yeah, I, I think it's got to be like, you can mess up one in like a million votes. Like, yeah. I, I don't think you can, even though we clearly mess up more than that right now, right? Like it's a hundred percent, like we're probably closer to one in a thousand, one in 10,000, somewhere in that range. You can't be worse than today. People will freak out. Like they just don't understand yeah. the tech and people don't understand tech are going to assume nefarious intentions even though databases lose data all the time um it 
if you think Amazon with its reviews has collected all reviews since the beginning of time, you're, you're wrong. Like I was, I was going to say something else, but it's like, <laughs> you, you were just naive to the situation and that's fine. You, you don't have to be like knowledgeable on this, but it's like databases lose transactions all the time. Oh, um, yeah. And they just live with it. They just say that's the threshold and such is life. Yeah. And, and like uh, reviews don't matter, right? Like if you lose a review, really who gives a crap? If you lose votes, Turns out people give a shit. Yep. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I would say the threshold's low, man. I mean, I, I feel like it's just a few thousand votes, honestly. Like, I don't think you can go above, much more above that. Like, you just can't. And it has to be randomly distributed because, like, if you yeah. lost a thousand votes in one county, oh my God, just yeah. all hell would break loose. Like, it, it, it basically Patterson, New Jersey, where, like, oh, they yeah. had to redo the election because so many mail in ballots got lost, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. it, that level of insanity yep and um you know i know this is kind of tangential but i want to bring this up to you so you've got this online system well i don't think a hundred percent of people are going to vote online even with this online system some of them are going to vote in person some of them are going to vote absentee and some of them are going to vote mail-in on the same day and uh, i do believe that mail-in and absentee are slightly different so i want to categorize those but um so this system should also work with that. You know what I mean? Like it should also be fully integrated with that. Or, or does it need to be? Does it need to just only capture the online portion of the vote and then a human takes the online portion of the vote and the mail-in portion and the absentee portion and the in-person in portion and like does the calculations? Or does this thing need to be the single source of truth for all the votes. So like all the mail-in votes and everything go through this system at the end of the day and it's reflected in the system so that you have one place to go to with a definitive final count. Right, well, I think that's a yeah. great question. And like that's that's where in my mind, I think that's definitely a requirement that, it, and I put the requirement very vaguely as just must work with in-person and mail-in voting. And in this case, I'm including all mail-in voting, mail-in versus absentee, et cetera. Just yeah. anything that's a mail ballot counts in this. <laughs> And I think that one's not as difficult a requirement to fulfill because banks have been doing that long-term with like um, what they call batching, right? Yeah. It's like you go and deposit a check at noon. Your deposit isn't actually available until the um, until later, right? It's like it's it gets transactioned at, I think it's like 7 p.m. or whatever, right? Like they send it out, they, they photo these in and send them, things like that. So they wait until the end of the day so that way they're also minimizing the the transfer of money between things, right? Because if you do a yeah. deposit for $10, I do a deposit of 100, et cetera, all from different banks and everything, they, they count the money all up, say, oh, I need $130,000 from Chase because that's what my deposits equal. And Chase does that same thing and they all kind of round table each other and batch it, right? And it's like, that's what you could do here if you gave the requirement also that it does not have to be up to the second, correct? Because- Realistically, why would you need up to the second, right? You just need to be right as of the day that you need to be right. That is yeah. the only day in which you need to be 100% equal. So I, I think the mail-in votes would be like, ideally in-person mail-in votes would be set up in such a way that they could be like Scantron essentially, right? Where you'd have a system, you just kind of buzz them in, they translate them into a vote that's on the computer, you enter it into a database and boom, it works. Right. But I, I think that's a requirement and I think that's a solvable requirement of the list of requirements here. I think that's actually the easiest one to solve. Yeah. Okay. So what's interesting about that is if we would just put our product hat on for a second, like pretending that this is a commercial product. I mean, it is a product in, in this right. scenario, but um, not commercial. 
So that means we're actually developing several different, I guess you could say, features within this thing. One is a voter registration kind of module. One is an actual voting module. And another is a sort of admin, be able to add in the actual mail-in votes, in-person votes, and absentee ballot votes type of module. Like you need a, a dashboard or some sort of interface to be able to, to manually enter this stuff. So some sort of data entry module or some sort of way to, to do that. Um, a data source that it could tap into. Maybe it's an Excel spreadsheet or something that it could, it could read from or a Google sheet or whatever. But you, you need a way to input this stuff. So just that's one thing that comes up to in like requirements analysis is sometimes, you know, you think of it from like the product manager type of standpoint. And that's just a, a thing that comes to mind. Right. And that's to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole here, just because you talked about this, right? It's like, it, it's all these little sub modules. They potentially all need to be localized in some sense and mm -hmm. localized meaning in this case, like they're at a specific location, right? So if you are doing voting in person in a supermarket somewhere, right? It's like, that system has to be locked down to itself. It cannot be internet connected. You have to be able to update, go to the admin console. It's probably going to send that off to another person to verify that you did things correct, that you're not double counting, that you didn't mess up, input it incorrectly, things like that. Um, so you got to have almost like a, someone who inputs and someone who verifies. And then that system locally only has access every once in a great while to send out to the more like centralized voting, right? Because eventually there's going to be like, you're going to go from a city in Texas to the state of Texas and the state of Texas is going to send it out to the entire U S which is then going to have everything. Yep. Right. So that's also figuring all, all that out. Once again, these are just requirements. <laughs> thing they can or cannot be done. Just these are the things yeah. you have to think about extra. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I mean, there's business logic here. There's a, there's a phase gated workflow that you have to code up in a way that will work for potentially 50 different states you know 50 different services you could think of it like that potentially even more if you go down to the city level and so you you have to you have to develop your system with this sort of phase gates in mind like how a human is actually going to use this thing and how the little parts of the system are going to communicate to each other up to the you know, up to the single source of truth which is the database and i mean i don't mean like a single database just for what it's worth i just mean a general database it could be you know, I'm just speaking generically. Yeah, because eventually, like, there will be one database, but it's not really, it's more of, like, where all the things get added up and collected. It's not, yeah. like, it's not the central hub where everything is stored and all of your individual votes are stored. It's more like, hey, the U.S. really only cares about your senators, your congressmen, your presidents, right? Your local officials are not coming here. Yeah. So give us the totals for those. We'll keep, keep them here. And then your state says, State senators, U.S. House of Representatives, or State House of Representatives, blah blah blah. We don't yeah. care about your local representatives. We don't care about the mayor of whatever town you're in. And then you know you just keep keep funneling down. Yeah, so that's, yeah. You basically that's, give give them what we call views. Right. And yeah. Actually, maybe that's an interesting question, right? So for the list of requirements, where do we start? Is local or global, or not global, but like local or U.S. elections where we're starting at? Because presumably we oh. have to implement something first which is the one we want to do? Oh, that's a good question. So how do people vote? I mean, you go, you go and you vote and it's, um, you got the national stuff, but you also have your local stuff in there. So are you developing, what are you developing? Yeah, that's a good question. Are you developing the system for all voting? Or are you developing 
the system only for the national vote. In my mind, geez, I would just start with the national vote, honestly, to just bite that off. Simplest. Um, that actually is, can be one voting app, essentially, and you can yeah. vote for president. It can be a little less localized as far as like, you don't have to implement some some local, well, actually, you know what? You still have to have all the local databases because if you're going to vote in person, it's going to work with votes in person. You still have oh. to be able to work with that and, and be point. correct and make sure. Because also the big thing here, right? If you're voting in person, you have to not be allowed to vote online and vice versa. So the batching can be reconciled, but that's where your problem is. Say that I go and vote online and I mail in a vote and I go in person. Which one of those is correct? Also, do I go to jail? Like, that's a great question too. Like, I think you go to jail. I think but, you go right, to jail. But, but that's also if I actually did those things, right? Because like I can go in person and have somebody do an online vote for me because they, they, oh, yeah. me, they got my, so it's like, yeah. and then you have to prove that because even if, even if I did those things, you now have to prove that I did that. So the amount of voter fraud you could implement is just off the charts. Oh yeah, off the charts. Yeah, I mean, th there is that too. Um, the timing aspect of the slide thing yeah so it does which is back to the main point it has to work with in-person and and mail-in votes it has to work smoothly with both of those that's a good point um and, and to, I, I would say to, to answer your local question it sounds like it's almost inescapable that you have to do local and so. you basically have to get a buy-in from every county right you you basically that's I, I think that it's at the county level. So you, you would have to get to roll the software out. You have to get buy in and um, training and all that sort of stuff for literally every county. I, I don't think there's a way around it because of what you just said. It's it's tied together no matter what. Which actually maybe changes the whole registration thing too, because like the way to mitigate this of the mail-in versus in-person versus whatever is during your registration phase, you say what your voting type is. And assuming that your county allows it, you'd say, I am online only. If you see an in-person, toss it. That is not me. That is a not my vote situation. Ah. Mail-in. Because maybe that's the solution here. Yeah, um, register with intent. Right, yeah. which does mean that same-day registration is gone. Like you cannot do that anymore, right? Because you have to have it in time such that you can do this. It is, it is registered that you are not available to vote in person. And if someone goes to vote in person, you are not on the rolls, right? Because some states don't even have ID laws. So you could just say, hey, I am mesh and I'm going to go vote in person today, right? And it's like, well, if you don't have to have an ID law, then they can just go vote for you and there's nothing you can do about it. But if you do the registration online to say, I'll go in person versus I will vote online versus whatever, they can take you off the rolls, which should help mitigate voter fraud, not solve it, but should help mitigate it. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a, that's a fair point. Um, man, so, so thinking about actually using the product, like what the, the user interface is, is gonna be an interesting challenge here too, because you gotta have something, I mean, I guess we already do this by way of, you know, the actual ballots that you fill out. They're not biased, right? Like you go and you fill out a ballot. It's not, there's nothing that visually makes you want to pick one side or over the other, or at least sensibly not that way. And so you have to replicate that in a user interface. And that probably sounds easy to people. It's like, well, just write a, you know, just don't make it look like it's favoring one side or the other, but actually there's, you know, I don't want to dive too far into it, but there's a whole field called user experience UX 
as it's commonly abbreviated, that details just how damn hard that is. But yeah, that is something that we have to think about. It's like, okay, we're, we're in a society where we read left to right, we read top to bottom. Like who, who goes in the top left? Who, who's the most top left candidate? Visual. Great question. Is, is it alphabetical? Is it by party? Also, realistically too, if you're doing this on a phone, which presumably that's what online voting is, is a phone app, or, or is it only desktop mode because desktop allows you a bigger screen, desktop meaning desktop, laptop, et cetera, something with a bigger screen. Because that, like, that changes your UI experience a lot. Yeah, one thing about, that's a great point. I mean, you know, UI developers out there definitely know this. One thing that's different about having the thing in front of you, like in a paper form or a soft form, I mean, a, a hard form, a physical form, is that you, you tend to have the whole thing in front of you. So if you got a big book you, with large pages, you might imagine you, you've got, you know, you, you might be open in the middle of the book, but you can see quite a bit of content. Like if you have a huge book with large pages, you'll see two pages at a time, like pretty big amount of content. Whereas if you're talking about a phone, you're talking about just like a typical laptop, maybe not even a great one, a low resolution laptop, like a crappy Acer or something. <laughs> your real estate on that thing is pretty small, which means that you're not going to get as big or wide of a picture, which means that in terms of designing the interface, you've got to make sure that you're fitting everything in there in a way that doesn't favor one over the other. Because if, if users have to scroll or go to a next page, you know, how many people go to page two of Google, for instance, but if you have to scroll far enough or you have to go to the next page or there's, there's some way in which that your content is long enough, like as a developer, you develop the site or the app such that the content is so long that somebody is literally in the frame of your phone and to see the other person you have to scroll like they're invisible until you scroll basically is that not like an unfair advantage um like how, how yeah i mean it's the bigger question like how do you develop the thing so it's non-biased and it works on all the different platforms it's intended to work on and i don't think that's an easy question yeah i think people gloss over it right because they just kind of yeah. assume that it works and the only way i put it that the ui matters so much if somebody put a stop button that was green in front of you, you would lose your fucking mind yep. because it is the dumbest way to implement a stop button ever, right? People <laughs> think red, you know, so it's like if you've got things that say they're as unbiased as possible, right? And they're lexicographical. Well, that is kind of biased in itself, right? Like you're, you're setting yeah. up the person in the top left is most likely to get the votes. That just is what it is, right? Like there's a small percentage that is a, is a higher factor. So if, if you're non-committed, you're going to be like, yeah, top left, whatever. Sure, that person wins. Not a big deal. Um, first name you see, therefore you get more likely to have name recognition. So you'd say, well, what if we randomized it, right? What if we said on your system, mm -hmm. you literally just randomly toggle back and forth. It's like, that's probably unbiased. But then, like you said, who, who ends up on the bottom? In a two-person race, it's probably fine. In a five-person race, are they all going to fit on the screen correctly? Because also, you got to be able to click a button that says it's them, right? So you can't just put five names next to each other and shrink them as much as possible and say, oh, that's fine. Your finger has to be able to hit a button that registers that this is the person you're voting yep. for and go into the next screen. Yeah, and I think you, you're hinting at a, a topic here that uh, we like to call accessibility. It better be accessibility friendly. And to your red-green example, it's a great example because there's a lot of people out there red, green, colorblind, for example. So you have to think about colors, you have to think about spacing, 
You have to think about tappable areas if it's a phone. You have to think about clickable areas if it's a mouse. You have to think about people that maybe have um, different uh, different abilities around, you know, going using a mouse or a keyboard. Um, it's it's not. You have to build it, the user interface, in such a way that literally every American that is of voting age can use. Yeah, and and people might be thinking we're being a little bit semantic with this, but realistically, it's not. It's they're like over half the money spent in development. I always find to be on UI almost always or features around UI, right? Because if the user can't use it, it's irrelevant. The rest totally irrelevant. Yeah. And and I would say that in this case, in some ways, the actual presentation of the voting options is as the UI portion is one of the hardest parts of this entire project. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I say that, I don't know. It's so complicated. Like the more I think about it and like how you have to get it to work and the things you have to do and what the mitigations are, because uh, we've talked about all this. We're assuming the users have good intentions for the most part in all the things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What happens when they don't like what, what, ha- how do we handle security on something like this? Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. You know, a lot of people will say, well, just, uh, Verify the identity in multiple means. Have a multi-factor authentication type of thing that ties into, I don't know, like you have to enter your social security number, you text your phone, and you have to respond to it. Not everyone has a phone, so I don't know if that works. Right. Um, do you have to go through email maybe? Maybe that's another authentication, but, you know, email is prone to hacking. I mean, it's just, and, you know, the argument there is just by virtue of having multiple hoops to jump through, you reduce the number of potential um, hacks, basically. And there's truth to that, yeah. But you know, it's back to our, our standard, right? When it's a in-person type of thing, we're a little more lenient with people making mistakes or malicious people doing things. Um, when it's a computer, we're, we're more zero tolerance. We're closer to that. We're not quite zero tolerance, but we're, we're closer to that. And so with the security thing, it's like, is it really good enough to just put hurdles? Are we really going to be okay with that? Or do you really need to think the security thing through? You need to think of some sort of identity, identity verification. And might I add that that is not a apolitical thing to talk about. Identity verification online, just because it's not on person. I mean, we already have a huge political debate about if you should have any sort of ID when you go in person to vote. So right. what is the political part of this thing too is what you have to think about. It's like, you know, software engineers don't tend to code politics in general. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe that's changing. Who knows? But uh, oh, you don't. Oh, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I, uh, I don't know how that's gonna fly. Like, because people, you know, people that are outside of the software development process are gonna probably hop in at that point and be like, "Well, wait, you're trying to verify identity. How's this any different from voter ID?" Yeah, I mean, so you're going to have to reconcile these with actual voter ID laws as well, right? Because if yeah. there's no voter ID required in person, how can you have any required to vote online, which is insanity. Insanity, <laughs> but, but also, more importantly, like, how do you do security? Uh, security is about identification. Yeah, and that is even at the individual level, right? So that, like, that's a, how do I make sure that one person votes and doesn't take over another person's vote, right? And that's at, a, at an individual level. I'm even trying to think at the database level because 
we talked about having these databases, right? And in person, it's very easy to have the machines siloed off because they don't have to be connected to the internet. They have the ballots pre-programmed. You choose who you are. They store their data into a little local database. And at the end of the night, somebody goes over, puts a USB key or whatever the hell they do, and they collect those results and send it up, right? So it's all local until they make one final push at the end, or usually right. they even call in the votes, right? They don't even want to connect to the internet. They're like, here's the numbers for all this. I'm going to walk down one by one by one, and we're going to repeat this three times and make sure we got it all, all right. Yeah. Well, that's not doable online. There has to be a database somewhere. I don't know where that's at. Could be local, could be wherever, or like local as in like to the precinct, to the supermarket, wherever you would normally vote at. Right, yeah. Local district. But that thing has to be connected to the internet all the time, right? So, because how else is it going to store the votes and know the updates? Which means if it's connected to the internet all the time, it's super easy to hack, right? Or I shouldn't say super easy to hack. It's more easily accessible to hack. Right, right? it's more hackable. Yeah, and that's a problem. Like people don't consider it like a problem that local, or they think of local as like pretty unhackable and that's because they largely are quite honestly, they're all so different. They're all so diverse and they're all, you have to be on, on site and you know, things like that. Yeah. It's like when you're online, it, depending on where your database is set up and if you've got it all set up correctly, it can be act. And also if we all share the same kind of security mechanisms, like there's some database that's stored on a site somewhere, if they all use the same mechanisms, they can all be hacked the same way. Well, yeah. Is a problem. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, that's a great point you bring up. It's like, just in theory, by virtue of building this product, you're actually taking away that diversity that you're talking about. Probably in large part, you're taking away that diversity. So, you know, I think uniformity is a side effect of turning this into like an online product. Yeah, that's, that's where we get back to, right? Is this really going to have to be essentially 50 different products, right? Maybe some kind of shared backend, right? Like maybe the app yeah. roughly looks the same for registration, but then it's different for each individual locale. Is it going to have to be hundreds because like it's going to have to be at the county level? Um, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot. Like it's going to have to be, it's going to have to be pieces that are bundled together for a specific county. It could never right. be one big app or even 50 big apps. I, I, I think there's, even in this short conversation, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of reaching the same conclusion of like, I almost feel like it's, we're talking more about, and, and you know, this will be harder for people that aren't in the software industry to envision, but like, we're talking more about a framework rather than a product. Right. Um, a framework or like a, a builder, a platform. There's other words you could use. Let's stay with, let's stay with the word platform. But um, you're, you're basically building a platform, a voting platform on which you would have, let's say 50, or I don't know if we want to do it at the county level, 50 is for states, but like even at the county level, X and number I, of products. Yeah, and I think all you have to work at the county level, because what about county propositions, right. county sheriff? Like, yeah. you just end up so far down because people want to vote for multiple things local, even more so than <laughs> global, or than, than at the US national level, right? So yeah handle those cases yeah i think yeah i think so so you're, you're looking at possibly a platform with a couple thousand products on top of it and all of them have to be customizable like that's what's even crazier right you can't just make a platform then some county says hey i'm going to take that right it's going to be stock whatever it is because then if like it comes back to the same problem if one gets hacked all get hacked which means you're probably actually going to have to make all of these projects 
individually, right? You can use some very core coding components, but you're gonna have to customize them based on the laws that are also changeable, right? So you're gonna have yep. to have teams that work for these individual counties to make sure the app works exactly as they see fit for that specific situation. Well, okay, right there, you just brought up another good point, which is that these counties all have different laws. Those laws get ratified at different times. I mean, it, it really does feel like you have to have a different product almost for each county because they all need to be kind of independently deployable from each other. They need to be, they need to have boundaries that allow them to make changes at their own pace and their own velocity like they normally do right now in person and not have to like change the entire system just to add the one county's law. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like and, they, they have to be tethered. Like, so what's the, I always try to think of the analogy here, right? It's, they have to be tethered, but apart, right? It's like, if you have yeah. say, nine little floating, like if you're going a rafting trip, that's what I'm thinking of. Like uh, and rafting, yeah. meaning like yeah. you're floating the river, right? You might tie a rope between your tube and somebody else's tube and somebody else's tube. So you can all act independently, but you're all kind of swaying the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. There's a rope that, that, and that rope is a is a collaborative effort to determine what sort of rope is the right rope to actually bind everybody by. Like you can't just buy any hillbilly's rope. You gotta buy you gotta buy rope that fits your needs. It's like it's gotta be able to handle the tension of X number of tubes, let's say. Right. Um, yeah, I, I I think that's a good analogy. I really do. I, I, yeah, it, it's um, and you can't leave anybody behind. That's the requirement. Right, you can't lose people. You can't leave some dude on on the bank of the Guadalupe. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So it, it's um, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's the biggest topic that's gone so far. Is like, what are you actually developing? It's like I don't think it could be one big product, just one website, vote.com or vote.org, I guess. Right. Um, I guess vote.gov. I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to domains. Apparently. Um, you'd really have to think more about a framework or a platform on which to build county level products that are all tethered together, county level voting products that are all tethered together. Yeah. Um, and a way to roll all the results from all of those up into something that the federal cares about. Yeah. And that's my next question too because i'm just even okay. thinking like oh my god this web of stuff is just so crazy complex and i don't mean that to say that it can't be done it's just i think when people think oh online banking it's this is at least an order of magnitude if not more and they employ thousands of people to make sure that stuff works oh so yeah we're talking about tens of thousands of engineers working for the government and they all better be fucking good because yeah. if they're not good they're going to let in the hack that like wrecks our entire democracy yeah um, yep Speaking of that, what do we do when that happens, right? When you have a local district that would be voting a thousand votes this way, but they swap it and they, they invert it. And now we've swayed the election. We've swayed Texas. We've swayed California, wh wherever the, the closest swing state is, right? What do we do? Uh, just one giant Zoom meeting with all the people of voting age in the United States. And um, we all, we'd all sit there. <laughs> One at a time. Do the vote. Yeah. Do a roll call as your name is yeah. called. Yeah. Something. You know what? That's actually an interesting thing I hadn't even thought about, right? It's like not not Zoom necessarily, right? But 
if you were going to vote online, could you vote in person via online, right? Like you basically have a oh. Zoom call with an individual person that's there. They give you the link to something that's like, hey, here's your session. You go, you fill it out and it goes and they verify and they say, hey, like, well, actually, how are they even verifying though that you're... Yeah, you still have some piece that you have to develop for the verification. Yeah, that... Unless, unless you keep all the existing systems in place. Yeah. Right. Like, unless you say like, okay, the way that we vote right now, you know, everybody does something in person or mail in or whatever. And then the collector people, I don't know what else to call them. The people that collect the votes at some local level, they have to do a thing. They have to make a phone call. They have to dump a USB key. I don't know. You know, they have to pick up the mail and haul it somewhere. Um, Those people would keep, doing whatever it is that they do. It's just that you don't have to go to them to vote in person. You don't have to mail something to them to vote by mail. It's just that you have this kind of video thing. And so that means like, instead of developing this whole software system that we're talking about, we're basically saying like, develop like a video chat um, system that would replace one piece of this puzzle rather than trying to write the whole system. That's kind of an interesting thought too. Uh, does that count as online voting? I think, I think it does. It, it, as long as your actual ballot is some website that you're getting sent to, I think right. that's fine. But I, I mean, that's an interesting one, right? Like that goes to the multi-factor. If you have to go, if you have to talk to somebody and you have to say, Hey, I'm X, I'm Y, here's my ID. Assuming that you have to have ID, but yeah. let's say you don't even have to have ID. Let's get past that part. Right. They would say, I'm going to give you a code are you ready? Right. Here's a link I sent you. That's your first form of authentication, right? I, this is for you. Here's your code. I'm going to speak it out or type it out. I'm going to do whatever, but this is a, a, this is an on fire level code, right? This is a James Bond message going to delete in five seconds. You have to input that code immediately. And that's how you're going to get registered. And as soon as you let me know your ballot is registered, that you've got the ballot and you can vote and do all the stuff, then you're off to the races, right? And you're also going to confirm with me that confirmation code you got at the end because like you have to turn in your ballot at that point too right and so you're just going to call them right you're going to be on a zoom call or what zoom is best idea for this right now you call them you get the code you input the code you vote online you get the exit code you tell them the exit code and they get your link and make sure hey it has everything filled out it looks correct they gave me the verification code boom i'm done yeah i mean I think yeah that's, online voting. yeah i think we solved it no i mean there, there's obviously there's deep fakes and all sorts of other treacherous water that we can't even probably get into just yet. Cause I mean, that's going to rapidly evolve anyways, but um, yeah, I mean, you could, you could do something like that where it's, it's like some of it is automated and, or, or digital rather, but the rest of it kind of stays the same. And maybe in theory, if you get to integrate the, if, if you work really hard at integrating that digital portion with the, the legacy portion, you know, the, the manual portion maybe that is a less risky foray into digital voting i don't know that's the that's the question right it's like is this we call this regression risk in software for what it's worth it's like you already have something that is out there that kind of does the job or does the job and now you're doing this new thing to replace it or you're putting a new fix in or you're adding a new feature or whatever um, it can be any level of change, but um, does the system work just as well or does yeah. it not? Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's what I would wonder. 
But um, another thing, oh no, go for it. Well, mine is nonsensical. So go ahead and finish your thought. Okay. I was going to say one more thing we didn't talk about just yet. It's like, uh, we're talking about online voting. We're talking about just digital anything, really. It's like, okay, what about accessibility to the digital means by which to vote? So are we getting everybody phones? We assume people got phones. Have we got people that we have, we have centers that people can go to um, that don't, that don't have phones. Um, do we have a way of getting those people to those centers? Can we make it safe for, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking about COVID right now, but. Right. Uh, that actually know, flows perfectly into what I was thinking. Cause yeah. like, if we take a step back, why are we even talking about online voting, right? Why is that as a concept? And it's because ease of, av of availability, right? It's like ease right. of being able to do the vote. In um, theory. In theory, right? And so one of the things that people talk about with voter ID laws is, that, oh, it, it, um, it stifles the vote, right? Because not everybody has an ID, which is kind of nonsensical. Like 93% of people have IDs. It's really not a huge amount. Also, if you wanted to say, we're going to raise taxes to pay for IDs for people who don't have any, I don't know who's not supporting of that. Like, I don't know who's going to be anti an extra $4 in taxes a year for that. Like, they're probably fine. But, but to, to step back out, if we're trying to just get it to a state where it's easy to vote or easy enough to vote that everybody can do it and everybody feels like they can do it, it seems like you have a national voting week. You, if for people who don't have IDs, you just give them free IDs, right? It's taxpayer funded. Now we all just pay taxes. We all get free IDs, right? Like we just yeah. solved that problem, nationalize that. Now, if you can't, if you don't have the ability to get to a polling station, you have absentee, right? But we have disabilities for your absentee voting. If you want to go, but couldn't before because you had a job, well, that's national voting week. You cannot be reprimanded. You cannot be cut off for that, right? It is in fact illegal. You can like sue for thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars for that, for any employer. And then for the other one, it's like, if you really want to go in person, you don't trust the mail-in ballot. It's like, well, just make it a tax credit if you have to use a service to drive somewhere, right? Like if you don't have a car, for example, but you needed one to get to your polling station and it costs you $30 an Uber, it's a tax credit. Like you just get that money back at the end of the year, right? It's like, th these seem like the correct things, like because online voting, well, I think conceptually valid, it's just not near as secure as, on, as in person. It's just not. No, it's not, it's not. And there's no way we uh, can make it that. Like you can make it work and we can make it within a certain tolerance of like, okay, yeah, we're fine if like 1% of the vote is fraudulent because we're already accepting of that quite honestly. But yeah. if, if we're not accepting of more than that, like you just can't do online voting. You'd have to accept that it's going to be some fraud. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. Along with so, millions of fucking dollars, actually billions of dollars we have to spend <laughs> on updating and maintaining this shit. Yeah, like, here's another thing people don't realize. Maybe, you know, we know it because the profession we're in that's such a great point. That's actually the, the biggest point I would say of all of it is when you write software, it's not like this thing where you just, Oh, let me um, write it and get it to where it's working good or whatever. And then we release it and I'm rubbing my hands together. If you can't hear that, but boom, we're done. And then maybe there's some bug, bug fixes or whatever, but essentially we're, you know, rubbing our hands and we're wiping our hands clean of the thing and we're done. It's like, no, no, no. Every line of code that you write, every little bit of configuration that you do, every deployment that, you know, you have to do, I guess we're talking about at the county level in this case. Right. All of that is maintenance. All of that is 
probably a thousand engineers. I don't know. However many engineers, X number of engineers, a lot. Yeah, I mean, it depends. If you count at the county level, say that you've got a pretty damn perfect system. Like, you know, it's very low maintenance. You kind of got a bug for you. Open source what you can, et cetera. You're talking two developers per county, I'd say minimum, to make sure this stuff is running. And, and that's like the most optimistic thing ever. Realistically, it's probably closer to five per county in the U.S. that you have to pay. Also, these are engineers who normally make $100,000 or more most of the places they're at. So good luck getting the best engineers on yep. government money. So yep. you're looking at like minimum 500000 to to a million if you're getting the kind of the cream of the crop per county. Per like, county. Good luck to you. Like good luck finding that money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. And so, yeah, it's that's a great point that you bring. I, I And that's probably the one of the hardest parts of this whole thing, honestly, is to like, Actually, yeah. Who determines all of the people involved with this? Oh. I'm talking about yeah. the government is going to have to contract somebody. I mean, I'm sure the federal government would have to be involved, obviously, and probably drive the thing. Can't do it at the county level, I don't think. Um, yeah. So who, who determines who contracts who? I mean, we're going to trust Google. We're going to say, hey, Google, you do it. I'm not trusting Google. Not outright. I have some yeah. basic ass questions I'd want to ask those guys um, and gals. Um, you just made me and, think, you know if, if you're hiring are we going to have to hire like because you have to audit this you have to have lawyers on staff who oh, make yeah. sure that the, the laws are all in, intact on the apps you have to have beta tests 100% oh. definitely lawyers definitely have oh. to have lawyers you cannot do this without lawyers yeah and that's a great point the people who are building the platform oh yeah yeah you'd have to have auditors and lawyers I mean there's just no way and QA you know, people testing. Oh my God. And, and also, by the way, not just people testing, because it's one thing to test the software. It's another thing to test scenarios, right? Like you have to have like fake miniature votes, basically, where you've got like multiple counties vote, pretend voting on the same day with a sample population and, you know, a, a pretend federal government asking for a roll up to where they can see the federal results. Like you have to have that level of testing too, not just someone sitting on a phone, just like, oh, everything looks good. Um, yeah. You actually have to have what we would call, I guess, system tests, end-to-end tests. Yeah, you got to test on every device, iPhone, Android, oh, like, yeah. desktop, like Mac, Linux, PC, like everything. The, I thought this was a little unfeasible just because of the requirements and how distributed it have to be. Now, the more I think about it, it's unfeasible because of the money. How much money would this cost to maintain? Like, it's a lot of money. Insane. I mean, that, that you could mean, argue. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you could argue that we spent a lot of money on it now, but um, I mean, this would be, I think this would be a significant amount more. I, I lightly putting it. I, I, yeah, I don't know. And that doesn't even remove the current infrastructure, right? Because, like, we spend, you know, millions and <laughs> millions of dollars, but it's like, so, that's right uh yeah i mean yeah money's all collectible right you just tax people but that's like are you willing to be taxed an extra three percent four percent for the ability to not have to go in person one day every four years or one day every two whatever you want to say it is for voting right because also if you if anybody thinks this is leading to like direct democracy no we're not doing that 
that we're not having everybody vote all the time who's too fucking lazy to leave the couch or and by the way you're probably too lazy to look up what's actually happening you definitely didn't read a full article like to vote fuck that that's stupid yeah there is a thing about you know there's a tricky boundary between like the ability to just vote on a whim versus okay you need to do just a tiny bit amount of effort to get to the vote there's a thing there and we should ask about it. It's, it's not anything about, oh, we need to deny people votes. Like, I, I know people jump to that immediately. It's like, no, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about there is a difference between, there's a tangible real life difference between being able to vote right now in this instant, just, just pull out your phone and flick something versus, okay, I got to drive to this place or I, I got to fill in a mail-in ballot. I got to open up this thing, stare at it, look at it, study it. <laughs> fold it back up, put it back in. Like there, there's a difference and we should make sure that whatever that difference is, we should study it and make sure that it's not, you know, that it's not detrimental to democracy. Like just prove it. I mean, if it's so simple, I mean, I know a lot of people are like, well, obviously it doesn't. It's like, well, okay, if it's so obvious, then this should be an easy scientific experiment. Let's just do it. I'll pay for it. You know, I'd gladly pay tax dollars for it. I just want to know the answer. And if it's a definitive no, then cool. I'll shut up. But right. I, I, I don't think things are as simple as people think they are. Well, that's that's devils what in the details. Who, who think that hey, I have online voting or I have online banking, I can have online voting. It's just like we just kind of spend an hour just going through. It's like, could you? Yeah, in theory, the like there's a hell of a lot of difference. So it turns out when somebody is trying to steal money from a bank, right? They're just trying to get money into their account, and they if they hack the bank's database. They can just add money to their account. You don't have to get impacted, right? And they can take money from you, but it's very easy to rectify that, right? We have records of like, what were you yesterday versus what are you today? Things like that. How do you rectify a vote? Like, are you going to call and be like, excuse me, Mesh, I see that you voted for X, Y, and Z. Is this true? Like, get the fuck out of here. I'll tell yes. you who I voted for. Like, hell no. With you. Hell no. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, um, that's a really good thought. But yeah, I guess with that, um, I hope that we've given a decent imitation of what it's like to think through the beginnings of talking about designing a system like online voting. I really, I think this was a, uh, this is a, you know, a super condensed version, obviously, but I'm hoping that people out there find value in, in the little things that we kind of dug into while just thinking about this from a high level, thinking about this kind of preliminarily. Um, things are not as simple as they seem. Software is really goddamn hard. Yeah. And this is just kind of like two guys, you know, talking shit. Like, yeah, we're just talking shit. It's like, <laughs> we, we kind of came up with like some very basic doc. We would have spent weeks on this if this was an actual thing that we were going to make money off of monetize right like instead of you know a couple hours here and there just kind of piecemealing stuff and ideas oh no we'd be in dozens of meetings because we got to bounce off products we got to bounce off legal we got to bounce off everybody ui versus and database and this is for oh, feasibility yeah. and we're not even talking about the details right like in yeah. the details of how this works so it's it's a ton like it's yeah. already it's probably already hurting your head because it's hurting mine on just like the hour we spent talking about it Think yeah, about I, you're going to be spending the next two years minimum working on this. 
Oh yeah, at least minimum. Um, and just how many people would be involved? How many questions you would pepper people with just to even get your head wrapped around what it is that we're actually trying to build? I mean, you would be, I mean, hundreds and thousands of questions, just thousands. So we, we, we barely dipped our toes in. We're just talking shit. So, yeah. um, yeah, and ho hopefully it was the shit talking was of value, but, uh, with that, uh, hopefully this was a slightly more uplifting. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it wasn't, but hopefully it was a little more slightly uplifting podcast than our, our previous one. So I, I felt uh, more uplifted. I'm not sure if that just makes me insane because like it's, we didn't exactly come out on a positive note on our feelings no. online voting. I thought I was actually going to end up more positive than I did. Cause as we talked more and more, I was like, you know what? This is, Oh, Oh, oh yeah. I was like, we got to testing and I was like, uh -oh. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I do want to throw out, we were talking about next week. So actually I should say this week, I'm going to take the rest of the week off politics. No news. I'm going like radio yep. silent on everything. We're thinking about having mesh interview me next week to have my guesses on what has happened in the week since you stopped paying attention to things, uh, just as an exercise. So that's what we're kind of looking at next week, just as an FYI. Yeah, I think, um, I think this is a cool idea. We're stealing it from someone else. I'm not going to say who, but, um, we, uh, I think what we're going to do is, yeah, I, I think it's good for mental health to take breaks. And so hopefully by doing this with each other, we're kind of forcing each other to have a little bit better mental health in these times. So part of it is that, but also um, I think it'd be pretty fun because I can throw some stuff at you and, uh, and you might not be able to tell what's satire and what's real. So I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think I'm going to have some fun. It might be worth um, all the torture of reading the week's news. <laughs> so I think it'll be interesting if nothing else. Yeah. So with that said, um, if you find what we're doing valuable, please um, reach out to us and share, 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 share. Um, listen, subscribe, like, and share. Um, and we will see y'all in another week here. We are available on every major podcasting platform and we're on Facebook at Click and Obey. All right. Peace.